You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 143, The Miscomputer. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flat. Today is October 15th, 2013, and I'm your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about the missed computer. But before we get started, as you know, I record the podcast on my Commodore 64, so as I begin loading those discs from my Commodore into today's podcast, we'll have a little bit of time to chat during what has become known as loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. So, what's new with FLAC? Well, I'll tell you what's new with FLAC. It's the government furlough. <laughs> we have begun week number three of the furlough. This is, um, I have been off work now for, let's see, five, ten. This is my twelfth day off of work. Uh, the first couple of days were fun, and then we, uh, after that, my wife uh, told me that we are officially in lockdown mode. I may have mentioned that on the last episode. Lockdown mode is when uh, basically uh, the flat man is prevented from spending money. And so, um, fortunately, I ordered the missed computer right before I was told uh, we were on lockdown mode, and it showed up right before the furlough. So, um, I tell you what, uh, sometimes I feel like I've been... Um, I don't know, we, we collect all this stuff. You know, with a, a single click, you can download the Game Base 64 collection and have every Commodore 64 game known to exist in a single zip file. Um, it's very easy to download entire collections, the, the um, TOSEC, uh, or TOSEC, however you want to say it, uh, ROM collections of every Atari game or every Nintendo game. So it's very easy to... Uh, acquire complete collections these days. But the hardest part for me as a husband and full-time employee and father of two and dabbler in podcasts and many other things is to find the time to play those games. But what better time than during a government furlough in which yours truly is sitting at home, not being paid and not working. So um, I feel like... Uh, Parts of me have been building up to this time in my entire life. Like I've acquired, you know, hundreds and hundreds. I probably have at least a hundred DVDs. And I'm not talking about downloaded, um, you know, rips of things. I probably own a hundred DVDs at least of movies that I've never seen. Things that I picked up uh, at sales, on sale. I remember one time I, I went to, it was either the dollar store or Big Lots, something like that. And they had a display of... $1 Halloween DVDs, and these are those terrible, you know, most of them are public domain, old horror movies that have, uh, you know, they've not been remastered or whatever, but there were like 50 different ones, eh, maybe not 50, probably 40 maybe, uh, but I bought one of each, and each one had two movies, one on each side, so, I mean, I have this giant stack of, of old classic horror movies that I've never 
had the time to watch. And I have, um, you know, like I said, these, these collections of ROMs that can be played on emulators or, um, you know, in a lot of cases on the real hardware now with things I own. So, um, I, I've been using this time to my advantage. You know, it's, it, it gets a, a little depressing when you're sitting around wondering if you're going to get paid or when or if, and, and, you know, each day you wonder if tomorrow's going to be the day you go back to work. Um, but you know, once you get past that, I, I'm really just kind of looking at this time as a, a blessing, if you want to call it that. Um, and just to be able to have this time to work on projects and do things and, and record, um, episodes of, uh, I've been churning out episodes of Sprite Castle, my new, uh, tube cast where I play Commodore 64 games and their, their videos. If you go to spritecastle.com, you can see all the episodes of that. Um, I got up, you know, I was up last night, I recorded like four episodes of Sprite Castle and I'm just, I'm trying not to post more than one a day right now. So I'm kind of building them up a little bit. Um, but that's kind of what I've been doing over the last uh, couple of weeks, spending a lot of time on Facebook, <laughs> more time than I care to admit on Twitter. Um, it's very easy when you're bored and not working to want to spend money. My first instinct is, hey, let's go to the casino, or let's go eat, or let's go to Best Buy, or Radio Shack. Well, not Radio Shack, but uh, you know what I mean. Places where you would go look at um, computer equipment or electronics and things like that. And so you really have to fight that urge, I have found, to want to spend money. In fact, I, I've um, bought a couple of things off of eBay, but I'm really trying to curb that right now. And so, anyway, for the most part, that's what I've been up to the last couple of weeks. Like I said, I've been recording episodes of Sprite Castle, and I've been working with my buddy Sean. Uh, you may know Sean from Throwback Reviews, uh, one of the other podcasts that I do. And Sean and I uh, stood up throwbacknetwork.net, and we have spent the last couple of weeks ironing out the kinks. Um, Throwback Network is up and running. Basically, what it is is a network of retro-themed podcasts. We have um, You Don't Know Flack is on there and Sprite Castle. Also, Throwback Reviews, which is the podcast that Sean, I, and Dor all do together. And we have, um, we've had some guests on there. We recently had uh, Ferg from the 2600 Game by Game podcast. We recently had Doug McCoy, who does several podcasts. And we had Vic Sage, who uh, is on some of... Uh, Doug McCoy's, or at least one of Doug McCoy's podcasts and a regular writer for the Retroist, as is uh, Doug McCoy. We have the uh, Old Time Radio playlist, the OTR playlist, which is a, it's like old radio shows that um, Sean puts together and they all, they have different themes. I think the latest one is uh, the old Groucho Marx, You Bet Your Life. Um, as I mentioned, Ferg's 2600 Game by Game podcast is on there. The Intellivisionaries. If you haven't listened to that, that's a great new podcast about the Intellivision. Um, Doug McCoy, his entire McCoy cast is now on throwbacknetwork.net. That includes his 80s anthology episode by episode podcast. Right now they are going through the uh, 80s version of the Twilight Zone episode by episode and giving rundowns of those. His podcast, Crazy Creepy Cool Movies, is on there. And that's where um, Doug does a podcast where he talks about movies that he watched um, that fall under that category from the, the uh, 70s or 80s from his childhood. And he talks about those. And he has another podcast, a third podcast, called Never Seen It, where uh, he and his wife do that podcast together and they review a movie that one of them has never seen. And usually I could tell by the 
um, show title, which one, uh, recently there was one that was, uh, uh Rambo. And unsurprisingly, uh, Doug's wife was the one who had not seen Rambo. And then they did, earlier they did Dirty Dancing. And, uh, it was unsurprising that Doug was the one who had not seen that one. So, uh, but that's a great podcast. It gives you a couple of different perspectives, um, you know, of someone who grew up watching a film and then someone who's never seen it. Um, we are looking for other podcasts to add to the network. We're a little heavy right now with video game ones, but I'm talking to a couple of different people right now. Um, I know that, um, there's at least one show that I'm really excited that's about to, uh, get off the ground and we're hoping to, um, I don't want to give too much away, but I will say it is vintage, um, in its topics. And I'm looking forward to seeing that, uh, podcast come to fruition and adding that to the network. Um, there's some other ones that we're talking to people. So, uh, that ball is really getting off the ground. If you want to check out all those shows, just go to throwbacknetwork.net. You can subscribe to the RSS feed to get all those shows in one if you want. I don't really like doing that, but um, if you go there, you can. Uh, all the the podcasts that get posted have players, so you can listen to them there. You can find the RSS feeds for those individually. Um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, we've been spending a lot of time getting that up and running. And speaking of up and running, it looks like the disk drive has just finished running. That means it has completely loaded in this week's episode of You Don't Know Flack. So let's go ahead and get started talking about the missed computer. The missed computer is an FPGA machine. I'm going to talk about what that is in just a moment. Um, I first saw this advertised on, I believe, a Commodore blog, and the missed computer was described as a machine that could play both Amiga and Atari ST games, so that caught my interest. I didn't really know too much about it, and I didn't know anyone who had one, uh, so I filed that information away. I thought this sounded really interesting. The very next day, Paradroid, who is a member on my forum, the Gas Chamber, Paradroid posted and said that he had just ordered um, one of these computers. So I was like, oh, well, I was I was hoping to wait um, until he got his and he could give a review before I ordered mine because you never know how these things are going to turn out. But um, you know what? I After we went back and forth, we exchanged a few emails and some posts on the forums, and he got me so excited that I decided that I would just go ahead and order my own missed computer. And so I did. Now, my initial reservation about the missed computer is that it is a project in progress. They are still releasing updates. Uh, there's been at least one round of core updates that have been released since I purchased mine, which has only been a couple of weeks ago. I have purchased items like this, devices like this, in the past. I purchased a GP32, a Game Park 32. If you've never heard of that, that was a handheld uh, gaming device that was made in... I believe it was Korean. I think it was Korea. And uh, it used compact flashcards to store uh, games on. It was able to run emulators. But the, the problem with these type of purchases is that they are projects, and they are being driven by people who are working on these projects in their free time. So unfortunately, if these people lose interest or something better comes along or whatever, and they stop development, Developing for these projects, now you're screwed. You have a device that is no longer being developed for. So it's a little bit of a gamble. 
Um, I also own a 1541.3, which was a 1541 drive emulator that loaded games off of SD cards. That was released before the 1541U, or the Ultimate 1541, was released. The 1541.3 did not do everything I hoped it would do, unfortunately. Um, when I got it, in fact, when I bought it, um, you couldn't, you know, it, it was advertised as something that would emulate uh, a 1541 disk drive, and it said it would, it would um, support true, you know, true 1541 emulation. Uh, when I bought mine, you couldn't even save back to the D64 disk images. It opened them basically in read-only. Well, it wasn't that it was read-only. They're just the code wasn't there to write back to those disks. Um, when I originally bought mine, it did not support uh, multi-loading. Now, I have seen online since then that uh, it does support multi-loads of some games. So if your game was just a single program file, like a, a, you know, one PRG uh, file type or whatever, that it would load it. But a lot of any games that uh, uh, had copy protection built in or anything like that, it wouldn't play any of those. So, um, and then eventually, when the 1541 Ultimate came out, um, development just kind of stopped on the 1541.3. And so, I mean, mine's, mine's sitting in a drawer somewhere. It was, uh, I don't remember what I paid for it at the time, 100, 150 bucks, something like that. Um, and you know, once development stops on those things, if it, if it doesn't do everything you want at that time, um, then that's it, you know? So you are taking a gamble when you buy these types of, um, you know, developer type projects that are driven by homebrew and people volunteering their time. So that's the risk you take. So anyway, the mist is an FPGA computer. FPGA stands for field programmable gate array. Field programmable means the end user can program it. Um, the easiest way to explain this, and I am not an expert on FPGA systems at all, but the way that I understand it is essentially if you think about old um, or normal technology, I guess, uh, for chips, for processors, for things like that that are cut by uh, by dies or that have, you know, manual things on, a, on a CPU. Instead of doing that, an FPGA is almost, it's, it's flashable. And so you can flash code onto this and whatever the set of CPU instructions that you flash onto these chips becomes, you know, the code that it runs off of. Now, obviously, um, that's not going to be as efficient as an actual physical chip, but, uh, if you put a strong enough you know, processor or, you know, inside of one of these things and, and what you're trying to emulate is less than that or, or the code that you're trying to run, then, then it could work. Um, the downside for this is obviously that cores have to be written. And so the core would be the set of instructions that you're going to flash onto the um, FPGA chip. So someone has to port these cores over to work with this specific device. But once somebody does that, um, you know, then you're all good. So again, we're back to that uh, situation we were in before where you're relying on somebody to not only port over cores or develop cores, but update them and, and fix the bugs as they're found as well. So you're depending on somebody else to do that part of it for you, unless you're, you're smart enough to do it yourself. I'm not. Um, the MIST name, it's M-I-S-T. The M-I comes from Amiga, A-M-I-G-A, Amiga. And the S-T, the last two letters of MIST, 
are from the Atari ST. And so the MIST computer is uh, designed to run the Amiga and the Atari ST cores. There are other cores out there right now. There are some cores that uh, from arcade games that have been ported over to run on the MIST. There's not very many. And there are other cores that are being rumored to be worked on. Now, I have not seen any of those yet, but, but in theory, there's some other cores that are being worked on. But um, again, you don't want to spend too much money on someone else's promises. You know, if those things don't develop, then if you're buying it for, uh, you know, talking, going back to that uh, GP32 again that I bought, when I bought it, everybody said, well, there's a Commodore 64 emulator coming for it. And uh, so I bought it hoping that would arrive. And it took a long time for somebody to do that. So I kind of learned my lesson, um, you know, basically you're getting what you're paying for at that time and anything else is just a bonus, you know, so. Uh, anyway, Miss Computer was released in June of this year, 2013, and the sale price is $199. By the way, that's incorrect, but let's just assume it is. Um, so I went online uh, and I found the website that sells Mist. And when I went to go buy it and PayPal, what I found out was that I had misread the webpage. That's 199 euros. Uh, which the current conversion rate right now is 270 US dollars. So this is not a cheap or inexpensive little toy. I mean, this is definitely a computer and something that you would, you know, you definitely would want, you know, it's not just something to put on the shelf and say, hey, I have this thing that does this. It's, um, you know, if you are into Amiga or Atari ST and you want to play around with this, then it's an investment. Um, the, uh, I guess there were some other attempts at doing FPGAs um, to emulate the Amiga, but um, uh, this is the first one that doesn't need an additional processor to do it, so it's completely software-driven. The Mist uses SD cards for storage, not unlike the Raspberry Pi or some of the other uh, current projects that are out there right now, so that's really nice. Um, another thing that's nice is that it plays discs in um, basically virtual disc format. So for the Amiga, that's ADF, Amiga disc format. Um, it'll also, you know, the same thing with the Atari ST, the Atari ST disc image files. So you put those image files uh, onto the SD card, put the SD card in, and after it boots up, you can double-click them and insert them, you know, just like virtual disks. And this was really the selling point for me. You know, I have um, the 1541 Ultimate for my Commodore 64. Now, I have used it to convert a lot of my uh, original disks over to D64 disk images. But when new software comes out on Sprite Castle, I just recently did uh, an episode of Berserk. The Berserk is a, um, you know, the old arcade game, but it was just recently released in 2013, or re-released in 2013 for the Commodore 64. I can take that disk image, put it on an SD card, turn around, insert it into the 1541 Ultimate, and play it right on the original hardware. Um, I can do the same thing on my Apple II using the CFFA 3000 card. It's USB-based, but it's the same idea. You take Apple II disk images, put them on a USB stick, and then uh, it attaches to this uh, CFFA 3000 card, which sits inside the Apple II and allows you to play those virtual disk images as if they were real disks. Now, I have a real 
Amiga. I've I've had a few. I did not have an Amiga uh, when they were you know originally on the market. I probably got my first Amiga. I got an Amiga 500 about five years ago. I upgraded. I got an Amiga 1200. But I've had a lot of trouble finding original Amiga discs. Uh, I haven't. You can't convert them over the same way that I uh, you know I don't have the tools or the hardware to convert Amiga discs. So right now I've been kind of relegated to finding them, you know, at um, computer shows and things like that. So I have a small collection of Amiga games, but not very big, you know. So um, now my buddy Rob Sherwin, Ice Cream Jonesy, recently sent me a um, compact flash adapter for the Amiga 1200, which replaces the hard drive. So you can put that in and put Amiga disk images on there. But it turns out my 1200 uh, needs an accelerator to be able to run WHD load. And it's a bunch of stuff I don't understand. I mean, it's not that the information is not out there, but I didn't grow up using an Amiga. So, uh, you know, I, I mentioned on the show a couple months ago, I just turned 40, and it just feels like I just don't have the time or the capacity to go and learn everything about a computer system, you know. Um, I mean, the, the 64, I know inside and out. I know how to, you know, copy files and move things around and, and do all these things, but learning a whole new system by scratch just seems to get more difficult the older I get. So basically that was the selling point uh, for me for this missed computer, um, is that it's very simple to do, you know, once you get it all hooked up, uh, you can play these disk images, just put them in on an SD card and play them, you know, uh, you know on your, your TV or, or monitor or whatever. So, I made the plunge, I went onto the website, I bought my um, missed computer, it did arrive, it arrived quicker than I thought it would, considering it was coming from Poland, when it arrived it came in a box that was a little beat up, not too bad, more dirty than, than damaged, and completely, the whole front side was covered in stamps, I mean it looked like, like how a kid would put... Uh, stamps on something. I mean, there's just stamps everywhere. I opened the box, and inside I got, there was the Mist computer, which I pulled out. The Mist computer is definitely smaller than a VHS tape, a little bit thicker than a VHS tape, and not quite as long or wide. So um, volume-wise, it's probably comparable to a, a VHS tape. Uh, the front, which I'm looking at right now, there are three LEDs and three little press-in buttons and a slot for SD cards. The right-hand side has two DB9 joystick ports for um, Atari-style joysticks. That's what the uh, Commodore used. That's what the Amiga used. I'm not sure if that's what the ST used. I, I assume it was. Um, the back side of the Mist has, uh, right off the bat, you'll notice four USB ports, which is nice. Um, it has uh, VGA out, which is interesting, and a three and a half millimeter audio out, like a headphone jack for your audio. There is a little power uh, plug. I guess this is micro USB for power. You know, a couple of months ago, I didn't own anything that used micro USB. Now I have the Raspberry Pi. I have this thing. I have another Raspberry Pi on the way. So uh, suddenly, you know, I need three of these power adapters where I didn't. Uh, need any. I'm feeling around on the back here. There is a uh, power switch, like a metal toggle switch uh, on the back of the mist, and I think that's everything. Um, so, I open up the box, I pull out the mist, and then I pull out the nothing. 
There's no manual. There's no CD. There's no anything. Basically, what you get is this little box. Now, uh, anybody that's ever looked at the back of a computer can hook this thing up in a matter of minutes. Um, maybe, I'm, I mean, minutes is pushing in a minute or two. Uh, you wire a VGA to a monitor, you hook up a pair of computer speakers to the audio, and plug in power and flip the thing on, and you're good to go. Now, until you have downloaded the uh, available cores and set up your, your SD cards or whatever, it won't do anything. Now, my buddy Paradroid, who I mentioned on the forum, had already set up working images. And so, basically, he emailed me two images, one of the Amiga and one of the Atari ST. So, um, now, for the Raspberry Pi that I mentioned on the last episode, I, or uh, two episodes ago, I have a 4 gig SD card, and it is too small for what I want to do. I really need an 8 gig card for my Raspberry Pi. The core for the Amiga on the MIS computer is, I mean, zipped up and emailed to me was like 2 meg. Uh, I mean, it's it's nothing. Uh, same thing for the Atari ST. So I have a couple of 512, I think one's a 512 and one's a 256 meg SD card. Those are plenty big enough. Obviously, you can't put the entire Amiga library on a 512 meg card, but you can put several hundred disks on there. You can set up subdirectories or whatever if, uh, you know, you want to sort your stuff out or whatever. But, um, so, you know, you could get away with using a lot smaller SD cards for the mist. Now, my experience with an original physical Amiga, like I said, uh, I've played some self-booting games. That's about it. I don't, I know that the Amiga has a command line interface, uh, CLI as they call it. Um, I'm not proficient in that. Um, I'm able to open up Workbench, double-click to launch a disk or whatever. That's about it. On the mist, I put in my Amiga uh, SD card. It boots up to the Amiga, the picture of a guy holding a floppy disk wanting me to insert a disk. You can hit F12 or you can hit one of the buttons on the front. And by the way, um, when I said that there was no documentation, I couldn't find any real documentation. I mean, like... You know, there are things that I've bought where it says, uh, you know, for the documentation, go to this website and there's a PDF. I couldn't find anything like that. I mean, I still, you know, I was like mashing these buttons trying to, by trial and error, trying to figure out, you know, which button does what or whatever. Uh, the documentation on this thing could stand to use a little um, organization, if nothing else. But anyway, uh, so you could hit F12 or one of the buttons on the front of the mist. Go pick an ADF file to put into the virtual disk. Then it went back to the Amiga screen. The game booted, and suddenly I was playing an Amiga game. I was literally up and running within five minutes of opening the box. I mean, like I said, I hooked up the VGA cable. I hooked up the audio cable. I copied over the uh, the disk image that my friend Paradroid had set up, and I was good to go. I went and downloaded half a dozen ADF files off the Internet, put them in, played them all. Not all of them worked. There was uh, at least one. I know I couldn't get Battle Chess to work, which I was disappointed because I remember Battle Chess being really good on the Amiga. My friend had Battle Chess and had shown it to me. Um, there are a bunch of settings in the Amiga core where you can go set things like fast RAM and slow RAM and this RAM and do this and do that. I don't know what any of that means. And so I'm, I'm trying to find documentation online of, uh, you know, preferred settings. I mean, I know my friend... Uh, had, you know, I, I'm assuming, I don't know if he changed those settings or if those were 
the defaults, but um, there's definitely some exploration if you're going to buy something like this that you have to be willing to do uh, to try to get things to work. I booted up uh, the Three Stooges from CinemaWare. I booted up, um, I think, Defender of the Crown. I booted up uh, half a dozen games and got them all working, plugged in an Atari joystick, and played Amiga games, like I said, within five minutes. It was literally up and running. It, it was so easy to get running. So, I mean, right there, if, if you're wanting a, you know, Amiga in a little tiny box that you can hook up to a monitor or a TV or whatever, this thing worked. Now, my experience with Atari ST computers, zero. I've never touched one. I've never, I don't think I've ever physically uh, played any games on an Atari ST computer. So, I, it seems to me like this... The Mist is um, primarily geared towards ST users, and the Amiga core is an afterthought. But for me, it was the opposite. I was more interested in the Amiga, and the ST stuff was an afterthought for me. I put in the SD card that my friend helped me set up, and it booted up into a black-and-white screen. Now, there is a setting in the menu to change it to color. When I change it to color, I lose all video. There are two video settings. One is for PAL, uh, 50, I'm going to say hertz. I hope I'm right. If I'm not, I'll get emails. Uh, the other one is 56 hertz. Um, and both PAL. So there is no choice for NTSC. So I went back and I tried it 50 hertz. I tried it 56 hertz. Everything's black and white. I change it to color. It doesn't work. I turn it back to black and white. It does. I reboot. I turn it on. I turn it off. I cannot get the Atari SD. So now I started emailing my friend Paradroid, who's got his working. We go back and forth, and one of the things he tells me is that he's able to get uh, the Atari ST to work on one of his home televisions, but not the other. Now I have talked about my retro computer setup that I have here in the computer room. I bought a 42-inch flat-screen TV. My Commodore 64, Apple II, and Amiga 1200 are all hooked up to it, and so I was really on, oh, and my Raspberry Pi. I was really hoping to hook the Mist up to it as well. That's what I'd been playing uh, the Amiga games on the Mist on. I could not get the Atari ST to work for the life of me on the television. Um, so, troubleshooting 101, I unhook the Mist. I move it over to um, my normal computer desk. I hook it up to a normal VGA monitor. It's a big widescreen monitor. Um, plug it in, and the Atari boots right up. And it boots up into color mode, and everything's working. So, it does not look like whatever video mode that the uh, Atari ST is throwing out, it doesn't look like my TV supports that. So, uh, my choices were right now, hook it up to the TV, play Amiga games on really big screen, and never play <laughs> Atari ST games, or to move it over to my desk, and hook it up to a you know normal size monitor and play both Amiga and ST games. So that's what I've done for right now. Um, once I did get the video working, the Atari ST worked exactly like the Amiga did. I was able to, with zero knowledge or experience of the uh, Atari ST, insert virtual discs and play them on this virtual Atari ST. They work. It works. I mean. It's difficult to know without having um, played a real system, but they all look like that they're playing real-time to me. Again, like the Amiga, there are a bunch of settings that you could go in and change, and like the Amiga, I have no idea what they mean. No documentation, no, you know, you're just kind of on your own on that, so. 
So the Miss computer, what do I like about it? So I wrote, I wrote down some likes and dislikes of this little device. Uh, the one thing that I like is that obviously it is an Amiga and an Atari ST, uh, in the size of, you know, smaller than a VHS tape. It's a little thing that sits on your desk. You hook it up. It plays games. Uh, I mean, it's great. It, it's, it was very simple to hook up. It was very simple to get up and running. Um, so I really like that. I like the fact that it uses SD cards for storage and that you can play virtual disk images. You can just download those disk images, stick them right into the mist and load them and, and play games. There are a ton, a huge game library for both the Amiga and the Atari ST. You know, I, I have been talking about, uh, I have nothing to do during this furlough. Trust me, I have been playing Amiga and Atari ST games like crazy, uh, and I could play them for years and years to come and still not get through all of them. So uh, huge software libraries for both those machines. Even if no other cores are ever developed, I, I like I said, I heard that there's a Commodore 64 core in the works. Um, there are cores for other FPGA machines. I don't know what how much work is has to be done to convert those over to work with um, the Mist, but... Um, so there could be other cores developed, and, and even if they're not, I'm happy with what it is right now. Uh, I also like the fact that it uses uh, USB keyboard and mouse. You know, I've had trouble with my uh, the mouse on my Amiga 1200. Um, you know, it's the old-style ball mouse, and, and I know they have adapters and this and that, but um, uh, in fact, what I have on, on my computer, I have a, a KVM. So I can flip over to my server, or I can flip over to my main workstation. And now I just have the Mist hooked up to the KVM. So I flip over, and then there's the Mist. So uh, it's very convenient to, to put games in and play it, whatever. Dislikes. Uh, number one, I mean, the, the number one thing that I don't like about this thing is the lack of documentation, and, and more specifically, centralized documentation. Um, I found, by Googling Mist, I found um, Till Harbaum's page, which I guess is the developer of the Mist. He doesn't sell the Mist. That is sold through someone else's website, which is Lotharek's page. And I'll add links to this uh, to these pages in the show notes. If you want uh, to download the cores, you're directed over to Google Code page, and that's where you download the latest cores. Uh, then there are links that says if you want to find out more about the Mist, there's a link to an Atari ST forum. If you want to know about the Atari ST capabilities of the Mist, there's a link to a Commodore forum. If you want to read about Commodore, I mean, it's, there's just stuff all over the place. Uh, I would love to see, and I'm not the guy to put this together, it's not my project, but I would love to see a centralized Mist website and forum where you go to one place, download all this stuff. That would be I mean, I don't even think it's that much effort. I don't think it would take that much to do it, but I think that would really help um, the Mist, especially for new users that are trying to figure out, you know, where to go and where to download all these things. Like other projects, FPGA-type projects, I mentioned this before, you're depending on others for updates and fixes and to implement new features. So if um, uh, one of the developers gets pulled away, if they get killed in a car crash, God forbid, if um, they get bored with the mist, if they get upset with the community, whatever, uh, if they stop working on it, then that's it. Then you're stuck with what you've got. So, um, again, with these type of projects, you kind of have to be willing to take a little bit of a gamble um, or and, and possibly maybe do some of your own development. Like I said, I, I'm not uh, a big developer, not not this kind anyway, so... I'm kind of at the people's mercy that are way smarter than I am on working on these things. Um, 
The other thing I didn't like, well, I won't say that I, I didn't like it because this isn't that important to me, but I thought I'd point it out is that um, I have read that because of the way that the cores are emulated, that it can't support additional hardware um, without updates to the core, which means you can't hook up, uh, let's say, a printer or a network device or things like that. Now, that's not to say later on down the road. I mean, I I think anything's possible. I mean, I, I hate to say, well, it'll never support a network device or whatever. And, and honestly, I'm a bit confused as to why it has four USB ports other than a keyboard and mouse. I don't even know what else you would hook up to it, um, except for maybe a USB network adapter at some point or something. I don't know, but but as of right now, it doesn't support uh, any you know external hardware. So that's the basic rundown on the Miss Computer. Like I said, I do enjoy it. I um, have been playing games. One other, uh, I guess I would say, negative downside if you're a US person like I am is that uh, both the Amiga and the Atari ST have large portions of their software library that are in PAL format. And so for the most part, they display okay on my monitor. Some, you know, it, it's, it's, it won't be centered. It'll be a little, you know, like a big black area at the top. Um, I, I was playing Pinball Dreams, I think, earlier, and the very bottom of the pinball table is cut off. So, um, you know, that's one thing to take into consideration that a lot of these, um, a lot of the software was, was PAL for these systems. So, uh, but there, there's so much stuff out there and there's so many good programs that, um, uh, I, I know that I'm going to have a good time playing around with it. And, and like I said, over these next few days, as I'm not going back to work, I'm, I'm going to have lots of, uh, uh, time to mess around and play some different games. I'm really looking into or looking forward to, um, some of the old 16 bit RPGs, like, um, even even Bard's Tale and Wasteland and stuff that I played on the 64 back in the day or some of the uh, AD&D adventures, I'm looking forward to trying those on the Amiga and seeing what those look like or, you know, exploring some of the Atari ST library that I'm not really that familiar with. So uh, that pretty much wraps up everything I have to say about the Miss Computer. I, um, I don't know that I, I would recommend it to everybody. I mean, it's expensive, and uh, it's still... It's still growing. It's still um, young right now. So maybe we'll see what it grows into. But right now, you know, if you're an early adopter type person and you like exploring and figuring things out, there's definitely opportunities for doing that. So anyway, that wraps up this episode of You Don't Know Flack. If uh, let me go scroll, scroll, scroll to all my plugs. If you have feedback about this episode or any other episode, if you don't know Flack, you can email your feedback to Rob O'Hara at robohara.com. You can leave a message for me on the You Don't Know Flack voicemail box at 405-486-YDKF for You Don't Know Flack. Thanks, everybody, for hanging in there and listening to the show, and I look forward to talking to you all next week.